Give a hand praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Aiden, amen. Beautiful job, amen. Right now, we're getting ready for the word this morning. Amen. We just thank the Lord for the word. We thank the Lord for the messenger, amen. So I ask you right now, will you please stand as we getting ready to psalm to introduce to others. We know this is our pastor, Jerry Seawright, amen. So let's receive him with a good old amen. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the love that you shown. And we thank you for the love that you continue to show towards us. Father, we understand that through you, we have the victory. And on today, we celebrate that victory, Lord. Thank you. You did not stay in the grave, but you rose from the grave. And we serve a living Savior on today. Lord God, we just ask that you touch the hearts and the minds of the people and prepare them to hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'll read as you continue to stand. I'll read Romans 4th chapter, verses 18 through 25. Romans 4th chapter verse 18 through 25. In hope against hope, he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. Quote, so shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what God had promised he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Amen. You may be seated. Man, I just uh, give honor to God on today. And uh, I would like to just, before I dive off into the message, I just want to First of all, just uh, cover some bases. One is I just want to thank the church. I, 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 they uh, surprised me last week, and I was in that that sermon zone, and I forgot to say thank you, church, for all that you do. It's uh, you know, it's uh, it's just us and and us coming together and trying to work this thing to God's glory. Amen. 
Yeah, it's hard and it's challenging, but we continue to work and to press towards that mark of the prize of the high calling, which is in Jesus Christ. Amen. And then I also want to just say that I watched um, the Friday, Good Friday service on Zoom. And I, and I tell you, you know, um, I enjoyed it all. But there was one part that uh, just touched my heart. And, uh, and I just want to say, uh, uh, Deacon Price, I, I, I listened to you and I heard you. And, uh, and, you know, you just don't know how much of a giant you are. You, you don't know how much of a giant you are. And I just want you to know that you're, you're a giant to me. You've been here uh, before I came. <laughs> and I remember you up here just directing, uh, you know, this choir and that voice that just boomed out of the whole church, never needed a mic. And you were just booming and rocking. And I forgot the song that you and uh, Deacon Morton used to sing. I think it was Please Be Patient With Me. And I remember you guys were just rocking that and you, you could never stay still. <laughs> But you, but you are a giant, a giant uh, to me. And I want you to know that. I, I also uh, enjoyed uh, the Gershwin brothers. <laughs> and then I had uh, Isaiah Jimmy Hendrix and uh, Corey Van Halen. Uh, I enjoyed you all as well. It was just, it was just good in the preaching as well. I, I tell you, I just, and uh, you, you brothers continue to, improve and continue to dig deeper. Amen. Amen. So now I don't want to be before you all long, but I do want to just uh, go over a, a short message for you all. We've been studying Romans, the book of Romans, and uh, it's uh, a book that our Sunday school uh, material has covered. And it's going to cover for like uh, many weeks to come. I believe it's usually a whole quarter, right? Yeah, a whole quarter they're going to stick with, uh, with the book of Romans. So today for Easter, they decided to go from uh, Romans, the fourth chapter. Last week, I came before you all and I, and I quoted uh, Albert Camus. And Albert Camus said, I would rather live my life as if there is a God and die to find out there isn't than live as if there isn't and to die to find out that there is. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? But let's push, let's push against that. I, I want to push against that. Let's challenge it. What, what if there isn't a God though? Let's say that there isn't a God and you lived as if there were a God and then find out that there really wasn't a God. Think of all that fun you missed out on. All, all, what fun, all that fun, all that fun you, you Man, I, I could have lived in a way that, well, well, here's a few examples. Like, like, I could have like not watched what I said to people 
and I could have just said what I want to people. I could have flew off at the mouth like some people already do, but I could have flown off at the mouth and, you know, and just said words that are not nice and not loving. I missed out on all of those opportunities. What, what about paying for things? I could have, I could have stolen all of those things I paid for. But yet I, 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 I stole them and, and I could have, you know, I mean, I paid for them, but I could have just like, just five finger discounted them. What about all the things I've, uh, that I abstained from? All the things I've abstained from, I could have just indulged. See, there's just, I mean, it's no God. I could have just indulged. And, 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 and then like with, with my wife, I could have like, you know, instead of saying, thank you for that dinner, Karen, I appreciate you cooking. I could have just come home and said, woman, get in there and fix me sandwiches. And be quick about it. Instead of like, Karen, I, I love you. Thank you for the dinner. Woman, get in there. Right? See, see what, what I hope you all feel is that even though we say that there isn't a God, then something in you still say, man, that stuff is, is wrong. Right? And that feeling that you have saying that is wrong also proves that there is a God because he put that in you. That's that, that's that feeling that he put in you to make you know what is right and what is wrong. I think they call it a conscience, don't they? Right? And, and that is, is that thing that God puts in you to and you know, you, you kind of see things right off and, and, and you know that it's still wrong. So even that shows you or proves to you that there has got to be a God. But in Romans, the first chapter, Paul tells us that there is a God and he has revealed himself to us. And also in that first chapter, he says he's revealed it to us through natural revelation. That is, you can just look at things and you can see God's creation and you can say, man, who is behind this? Who's the mastermind behind this? Who's the designer here? It's got to be a God. And that witnesses to witness for him to us that it's got to be a God, amen? And, and, and he goes on to say, and this is just a review here because we're in, in chapter four now, but he, he goes on to say, and let's, let's pretty much tie this into to Passion Week. I, I, let me do that right quick. So Passion Week, this is uh, the end of Passion Week, right? And, and last Sunday, which is Palm Sunday, that's what we call it. Jesus uh, rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and the crowd celebrated him with great fanfare, right? Remember, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. 
Then Monday came. And Monday he went into the temple. And they said when he entered the temple, he saw a lot of stuff going on that was wrong. Folks were selling and swindling, you know, and, and, and buying animals and, and animals that were not permitted because they had blemishes on them. And then they were trading, exchanging money, but folks were cheating folks in the temple. And Jesus said, I can't go for this. So he ended up getting a whip and he whipped them all out of there. He drove them all out of there. Amen. That was Monday. Tuesday came around and the religious leaders came back on the scene and they began to debate with Jesus and try to trap him. By this time, it was late in the game and then they've made up their mind that we need to kill him. Wednesday came and most scholars say that Jesus just laid low. He rested this day. But then Thursday came back around and he and his disciples decided to prepare for the Passover meal. By Friday, after being betrayed and arrested, <laughs> after being involved in about at least six, at least six trials, and some of them say about three to four of them were illegal. Most say they all were illegal. But yet, he ended up in, he ends up enduring those trials. And at the end, they crucify him. They crucify him. On Saturday, he was in the grave. But on Sunday, on Easter Sunday that we call, he rose from the grave. He rose from the grave. That's the Passion Week, amen. And, and when we wrestle with this thing of the existence of God, you know, it's interesting how we establish facts. It's interesting how we establish facts. Some, some, some folks say like Jesus, wasn't real. You know, and if you listen this week, and most folks uh, uh, try to cover something about Easter, and they'll, they, they have all these theories about Jesus and who Jesus was, and then some even go to the point of saying that he really wasn't real. And, and I said, you know, wow, because if you read the Bible, even his most dedicated enemies didn't say that he didn't exist. <laughs> and, and, and if you read the Bible, even those who were against him, they never said that the grave wasn't empty. It was empty. Amen. And most of them tried to say, well, it was empty, but see what happened is all of his disciples, the women and everything else, they went to the wrong grave. That's why it was empty, because they ended up going to the wrong grave. Well, that means that, that the angels went to the wrong grave too. You see, if you follow their logic, everybody went to the wrong grave. No, no, he rose from the grave. If you look back in scripture, they say that the, the women actually followed Joseph and, and Nicodemus 
to the grave site and they saw where he had been placed. Amen. So they knew where to go to finish the burial ceremony. And they came back and they found an empty tomb. You, you, if you want to establish things, most logic books say that you need to make sure if you want to know that a thing exists, you need to go and visit that thing or someone and you need to like hold it or talk to it, touch it, make sure that it is real. However, if you can't visit, if you can't establish it that way by your personal presence, then the best way to, to, to establish that it actually exists is through indirect evidence, right? It's through indirect evidence. That means documentations and, and, and witnesses, eyewitnesses, and you have to go back and look at all of that that had taken place because you weren't there. Right now, you know, in my downtime, I'm reading this um, multi, I would say multi-biography, and it's called The uh, Team of Rivals. It's about Abraham Lincoln mainly, but it's also talking about all of the folks that uh, existed <laughs> during his time. And you know, the author did not exist back then. She wasn't even born back then. You see what I'm saying? However, what she decided to do is go back and, and, and research documents and, and, and those recorded eyewitnesses and things of that nature to go back and establish the fact that these events occurred, right? Abraham Lincoln, he was real. He actually lived, right? And, and, and those she speak of in his uh, company, they were real people too. And the documents, the, the, the books and, and all of the things that are in Congress, she looked at and, and reviewed and established that they were real. The same thing for us, amen? The same thing goes, for Christ. Did he rise? Yeah. You've got some eyewitnesses for you. Mary Madeline saw him, right? Then the women saw him. That's Matthew. We got documentation, Matthew 28th chapter. Peter saw him. We have documentation. That's Luke, the 24th chapter. Two disciples saw him during the road to Emmaus. That's Documentation, Luke, the 24th chapter. The disciples saw him without, with Thomas and without Thomas, amen? Uh, seven disciples saw him by the Sea of Galilee. This is all, all after he rose. And then 500 believers saw him as well. That's documentation, 1 Corinthians 5, 6. James, his half-brother, just in case y'all thought that folks did not know who they were looking at, well, he went to his half-brother, James, and James knew who he was, and he appeared to James as well. That's also in 1 Corinthians 15 and 7. And of course, he appeared to the disciples when on the Mount of Olives he ascended. Amen. God 
The Son is real. God the Father is real. God the Holy Spirit is real. Jesus is truly a historical figure. Documentation, everything shows that he existed and he is who he says he is because even after raising from the dead, rising from the dead, he was seen by many. Amen. And the triune God, he's a holy God. He's a holy God and he's a righteous God. And what Paul is saying is that now that we've established that God is real, now what will you do with this holy, holy God? What will you do with this holy God? Because this holy God says that he will consequence sin. He says he's got to deal with sin. So what will you do? Because see, we can't justify ourselves. We cannot place ourselves in a right position with God. Amen? Paul, Paul states that, and he, he states that we all need a savior. All of us, we're all in need of a savior. I don't care who you are, you are in need of a savior. You know the thing that folks do not want to hear today? They don't want to hear how bad they are. They want to hear how good they are. But the bad news comes before the good news. You have to understand that you need a savior to appreciate the savior. Amen. So it's not about bashing you on the head, but it's telling you, you can't do it on your own. You need him. And Romans tells us repeatedly that we need him. And, and in, in fact, in the third chapter, this is what, what Paul states to us. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. I can't say anything tougher than that. Talk about telling you off. Talk about telling you how it is. He's telling you how it is. And God, though, he didn't leave us there. He made a way for us to be right with him. Amen. And he made that way through Jesus Christ. He says, if you accept my son, and his sacrifice for you, right? If you accept his work for you, you can by faith be righteous in my eyes because you will receive the righteousness of Christ. No, you could not do it on your own, but I'm going to give you someone that can do it for you. 
Amen. And he tells us that, you know, how, how can this be done? How can, how can it be established? How can this thing, how can we grab onto this thing? Well, he says, it's by faith. By faith. If you place your faith in Christ, you will be saved. Amen. And, and, and does faith works? Does it work? Does this thing that, you know, if I put my hope and my faith in Christ, does it work? Uh, well, he gave us an example in the fourth chapter, right? And, and that, that example is Abraham, right? He says, in hope against hope, he believed so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. This hope that he speaks of here is not our everyday understanding of hope. See, our everyday standing of hope is, it reduces to wishful thinking, right? It, it reduces to, I, I hope, I hope, I, I wish upon a star. I hope, right? That hope is, is nothing more than, like I said, wishful thinking. I saw a group of, 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 of ministers on television, and one person asked them to, to explain hope. And I tell you, I, I, was, I was like disturbed because they were, they were describing hope as wishful thinking. And I was like, no, our hope is greater than that. It's not just wishful thinking. This hope does not like come from uh, our desires and our wishes. It, it's, it's not a hope in man and it's not a hope in power. It's not a hope in wealth. It's not a hope in status. This hope is greater than that. This hope is confident expectation. It's confident expectation. It's a firm assurance that things that are unseen and still in the future will be. It will be. Why? Because our hope resides in God's promises. We live on his promises. Our hope is based on his promises. If you all recall, I told you that it was faith, hope, and love. Remember I said that? And then I kind of turned it around a bit for you to help you understand that it was faith, love, and then hope. Because I said to you all before that faith looks in the past. And it says that, wow, you know, God did that for me when I thought that he wouldn't. Man, look how he did it there. He came through there. Man, you know, when I thought that everything was like lost, boom, he came through and man, he showed up and he showed out. That is faith because faith is like a muscle and God just develops it through situations and situations until that muscle becomes stronger and stronger. And then that's our faith, right? We can look in the past and say, man, when I thought 
I couldn't make it, I made it. And, and God, he showed up and he just showed out. But then hope, hope looks to the future. And hope says, I can't see it right now, right? I, I can't see it right now. And, and he said, it's going to be in the future. But based on what he's done, <laughs> based on what he's done, right? Based on what he already did for me, I know that he can do it again. I know he can do it again. So yes, I can look in the past and I can see how he's done it time and time again for me. And, and, and I know that my future is bright because he's there. Amen. And in the meantime, what will I do? I will love. <laughs> I will love and trust him. Faith, love, and hope. Faith, love, and hope. Our hope is established in his promises. Promises. Amen. And, and, and here's the thing that you also need to understand. God's promises can only be fulfilled by his power. Do you hear that? God's promises can only be fulfilled by his power. Just ask Brother Abraham. Brother Abraham said, oh, okay. You promised me a son, Lord. Okay, I'm going to help you out. Right? Hagar! Right? But he promised you a son through Sarah. But yet, Abraham said, I'm going to help him out by, by having a son with Hagar. Right? No, God says through Sarah, my promises, God says, I can work out through my power. You just have to trust and obey. Trust and obey. Amen. And here's the other interesting thing. When we say that we have a hope, and it's, a, it's an expectation that we have. Is it, is it hope in the fact that God said that I was going to get that new Hummer that's coming out? I saw it, Lord. <laughs> I just, I gotta go on, the, I gotta just, Tom, you gotta let me get on a parking lot and, and I just gotta lay my hands on it so I can name it and, and claim that Hummer. Did it say in a really big, fine, nice home? Did it say that our hope is, is in that? How about perfect health? Did he say, I, I promise you perfect health? No. No, our promises, his promises are, are more like he promised us salvation. He promised us eternal life right? Christ promised us that if we put our faith in him, we would be clothed in his righteousness. Christ promised us that he will return. And if we die, 
prior to his return, he promised that he will raise us. He will resurrect us. See, our promises <laughs> go beyond a car and a home and health. Amen. God's promises go beyond all of that. And, and, and just let me say real quick, I was reading C.S. Lewis this week, and he said something that blew my mind. And he says this, he says, since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, right? Since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, that they have become so ineffective in this world. They, they aim, he said, aim to heaven and you'll get heaven and this world. But if you aim only at this world, you'll miss out on both. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting because, see, we've taken that slogan of, of, you know, you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. We said, well, we'll show them that I'm not heavenly minded. I'm going to show them. I'm not heavenly minded at all. I'm here and I'm present. I'm just as worldly as you are. Right? No. And then all of a sudden we, 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 we've, we've lost our witness. <laughs> we've, we've lost our witness. Our witness has, it's become ineffective. We're no longer, uh, uh, we're, we're no longer, I hear salt, right? We're no longer salt. Lo the salt lost its safe, right? Lost its flavor. And when salt loses its flavor, it's, no, it's just, it's over. Right. And, and but 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 what he is saying here, C.S. Lewis is saying he's saying here is that we we we've got to our hope, our hope is 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 beyond here. And our minds should be fixed on that hope. And that hope, if our mind is fixed on that hope, then we can do better down here. But if we're just in the muck and mire down here, we can't look beyond here, then all of a sudden, it's, it's, like that, it's like that old term that says, the boat in the, in, in the sea is fine. But when the sea gets into the boat, it's trouble, right? And that's what happens to the church now. The sea has gotten into the boat, and now it's sinking, and it's losing its witness. Church, don't lose your witness. Keep your head, your mind, your heart on the hope that is to come. Amen. Salvation is yours. Eternal life is yours. When he he's given us his righteousness, and when he comes back, he promised that he will raise us up. Amen. And, and, and here's the thing. One other quote from, from C.S. Lewis. He says, if I find in myself a desire 
which no experience in this world can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Do you hear that? If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation, explanation is that I was made for another world. Saints, don't get caught up in the rat race where you're chasing after material things. Our hope is not in that. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. He rose. He rose. And, and, and it goes on to say in the 25th verse, he who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. In other words, Christ, he suffered on our behalf because of our sins, because of our sins, not his, because of our sins, he suffered. He was hung on that cross. He bled and died because of our sins. Now, had it stopped there, we would be like most people, miserable. We would be those who should be pitied. But it didn't stop there because the verse goes on to say, and was raised because of our justification. And what that part means is that God, the father had to show that he accepted the sacrifice of the son. And what better way to show that he accepted that sacrifice than to raise him from the dead. So that's what it's all about. He died and he suffered for our sins, but God, the father said, I accept your sacrifice and I will raise you from the dead to prove it. Amen. And that is our justification. Christ suffered for our sins on our behalf. And he rose again because God put his stamp of approval on it. And we receive grace now. We receive grace, right? God's riches, right? At Christ's expense. We receive grace now. I hope you all understand on today how important and how wonderful and how great this day is. Because all of our hope, all of our hope has been placed in the work of Christ. Christ, the risen Savior. We serve a risen Savior on today. You know, I thought to myself, I said, wow, you know, all all of the folks that folks uh, think of, like Mohammed, you know, I, I looked him up and he had a beginning date, then he had a dash, then he had an end date. You know, uh, Confucius, I looked him up, he had a 
a beginning date and, and and then he had a dash and I and then he had an end date you know and the dash of course means you know the life he lived and then it ended right but how would you how <laughs> how would you mark Christ's life I, I said man how would I do that would it be a like a long line from eternity past <laughs> and then boom, there'd be a date and then a long line for a minute and then about a 30 year line for a minute. Then there's a date that he died. And then there's another line that goes on to eternity. Wouldn't, isn't that just like, that's mind boggling to me. A God from eternity past. I mean, he has no beginning. But yet he came down in the form of a man to die for me. And then he rose again with all power in his hand. And now we have an opportunity to live with him. We can accept him as savior. And when we place our faith in him, we can live forever. We can live forever. On today, we beg you, <laughs> we beseech you, we beg you to consider Christ. Try Christ. Try Christ on today. And if you want to try him, if you choose ye this day to serve him. I tell you, he's a promise keeper. He is a promise keeper. Try Christ. And for those who would like to, on the day after dismissal, there will be those here in front that will guide you through this. And those out on Zoom, we pray that you will contact one of us and we will assist you as well. But don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let this day, don't let this day pass you by. Try Christ. Try Christ. Amen. Hand it over to the hospital.